0: Hi, you're listening to On Israel in Al-Monitor. I am Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. We start our podcast with a story of a resurrection, specifically the resurrection of Israel's Labour Party, the party that founded a state for the Jews after 2,000 years of exile, the party of David Ben-Gurion, Golda Meir, Rabin and Peres, the party that did so badly in recent polls, that everyone was preparing to eulogize and bury it. Everyone, except one Labour backbencher, Knesset member Merav Michaeli, who refused to let the party die. She took its chairman, Amir Peretz, to the Supreme Court over its uh, refusal to hold primaries. She won her case, won the primaries, and brought the party back to life. Although voters gave Labour only seven Knesset seats in the latest election, It was seven more than most people uh, expected. Michaele is the queen mother of Israeli feminism. She refused to bow to the dictates of Hebrew grammar that are dominated by the male form of speech. She insists on using the female form, and while it drives many men crazy, more and more people are now adapting her style. Her photo with their trademark ponytail and black uh, clothing, now graces the walls of her office alongside the fathers of Zionism and modern-day Israel. The intriguing question is where she plans to take the party. Here seems to be uh, no end in sight for Israel's deep political chaos. Benjamin Netanyahu has been given first crack at trying to form a new government. His opponents, Michayeli among them, should pray that even this political genius cannot convince racists like Bezalel Smutrich and Itamar Ben-Gvir to enter a government that is also supported by Israel's Arab Islamist Party. If he fails, and we will know for sure 23 days from now, the opposing camp will try its hand at forming a government. This will be Mikhaili's challenge and opportunity. Under her leadership, the party is branding itself as renewed labor. Indeed, together with Benny Gantz, head of the Blue and White Party that also restored to life at the last moment, Mikhaeli was the surprise of the March 23 elections. We will uh, talk with her about Israel's depressing political mess, about Netanyahu, of course, about possible government coalitions, and the status of women in Israel's society. We will also ask her whether she should join a government led by Knesset member Naftali Bennett, who represents right, very right-wing Zionism. The chairperson of the Labour Party will be with us right after this short break.
1: If you are listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East, and if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, on Israel with Ben Caspit, and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti.
0: Now we are pleased to say hello uh, to a labor avoda chairwoman, uh, Knesset member Merav Mikhaeli Shalom, Merav.
2: Shalom, Ben.
0: Hello, everyone. All right. uh, Let's dive straight into business. And after eulogized, buried, and declared dead, labor is back alive and kicking, and I wanted to ask you first, when when you embarked on this adventure, after the party institutions refused to hold elections and you went to court, did you believe things uh, would turn out this way or were you just telling yourself, well, let's give it a try, a, fi- a final chance?
2: Well, I did. let's start with the, the fact that I did not eulogize the party. I insisted, that it is not dead. I said it's certainly in a dire situation, um, under heavy sedation uh, and, you know, really looking very, very badly and it might have died. It was certainly some people's intention to erase it completely. And uh, by the way, when I was elected and I came as a chair uh, to the offices, I really found a place that was under, um i don't know going through like bankruptcy you know like when you were tearing a place apart
0: chapter 11 yes uh...
2: yes so but but i was it's like i knew i believed in it and i knew that it wasn't still dead and i really believed and i still believe that the rehabilitation and rebuilding of the political power of the center-left camp in Israel must be built on labor. Listen, labor and the state of Israel have a DNA connection between them. It's not for nothing. It's not only symbolic, but it's also symbolic. But it's also tangible. The fact that the... um, breaking down, I think, even uh, the, the way Israel has been going in the last 28 years is so connected to the way labor was almost erased and vanished because labor is what started the state of Israel, not labor alone, of course, as a part of a much, much bigger movement and organization. But, and, I, and Netanyahu is a person of narrative and he knew that he had to um, devastate and to ruin the powers that m- made Israel what it used to be. And so in order for Israel to go back, not to what it used to be, this is of course, what's, what has been is, is gone. And it's, but in order to, for Israel to go back to build itself um, in the direction of the Zionist vision, labor has to fulfill its role as the ruling party that does it. It cannot rely on on bodies that are hardly even political, certainly not parties, certainly not democratic, without a vision, without a commitment to the values that are the Zionist um, values. This is why I insisted on it. And I knew that there was still something there and that it must be done. So did I know it will turn out exactly that way? No, but I I knew that it had to be done.
0: And you believed in it. And this is the really the the, the, the big question, because you you just uh, said something about the the genetics, the DNA of labor and the state of Israel. And I I agree, of course, but maybe uh, maybe we just saw uh, in the last two or three decades implementation of a total new DNA, the Likud DNA, the, the Netanyahu DNA, uh, uh, including uh, to forget the, the old values of the old Mapinics, and now you're trying to revive actually a dead body. Uh, in the meantime, you proved it's possible, and I wanted to, to ask you about it. Do you know who voted for Labour? What the, the seven mandates? Uh, were they old timers supporters of the historic mapai who came back to default once you took over or uh, were there new voters mostly women attracted by your uh, your name and, and your achievements in the in this issue
2: i think we have about um, a, a, yes there is a majority of women not a overwhelming majority but like i think uh, maybe 65% women um, which is like more women than uh, the the average
0: A lot more women than the average, I think.
2: It is true that for women women are, or I would say have a more intuitive, immediate trust in me, uh, because I have been working for uh, gender equality and women's rights for so long. But still, you know, it's 35. I don't have the exact numbers because nobody really knows, you know, People, I mean, it is a confidential vote. So if we are somewhere between 35 to 40% men, after all, it's not like men do not trust me. Uh, I think it's partially people who came back to labor and certainly some new, I wouldn't even say audiences, the word in, in, you know, when you say in Hebrew, new audiences it has a very problematic connotation. But I think certainly people who are less secular voted more people who are more sort of traditional uh, people who have never voted for labor before we certainly have that but it's still only I mean I am very happy that we have seven mandates don't get me wrong each and every vote counts but it is just the beginning and it is up to us now Uh, to bring many, many more people to vote. Where
0: to take this success? And um, talking about old Mapinix, many labor uh, veterans uh, in the beginning were angry when you declared yourself as the the successor of Yitzhak Rabin. Many of them abandoned uh, those days uh, the party. I remember uh, in the beginning of the campaign, it, it was difficult to fight like you did. And it seems seem to be for a for a moment that the party is falling apart. Can you explain what you meant when you said uh, that uh, you are a successor after all the man was a defense hawk. Uh, he opposed the Palestinian state. He was hardly a sworn feminist.
2: First of all, I never said that I was Rabin's successor. I said that I believe in in Rabin's way and that I am committed to taking the the party back to to his his path and his legacy. So I never said I was his successor. This is I'm not that vain. Um, I'm and and I certainly do believe in in Rabin's way. He was the first one who realized that this Gordic knot of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict had to be cut in order for Israel to move to the next level, both in the sense of um, its identity. And if you think about it, Ben, uh, the state of Israel exists twice as long with the conflict at this um, sort of structure than it has existed without it. In terms of identity, we really do not recognize ourselves without the conflict. It's as if you're asking us to give away an arm or a leg or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Think of the number of Israelis who don't even who are not even aware that there was ever um, a different reality and have no con- concept of a possibility of a different reality. So he was the first one who realized that I mean the first one as a prime minister not as an Israeli Yes, a mm-hmm. leader at this um, magnitude that realized it had to be cut. So both in the sense of identity and the future of Israel as a Jewish and democratic state, and as um, and also regarding the threat that he realized back then was already uh, building from Iran, from Iran, and Rabin understood that in order to be able to be free to deal with this uh, building threat, we needed to be already going forward with the Palestinian conflict. So this is one thing. The other thing is that he turned around the um, priorities in terms of investment, and he put a lot of money in education, in infrastructure, and in the Arab society in Israel. Again, the first prime minister who recognized that the Arab society within Israel is important and needs attention and needs um, an attitude that is equal and that recognizes them as full citizens.
0: And this is um, exactly my next question, because I wanted to, so, to go to politics.
2: But I did want to also regard the feminist uh, uh, side that, you know, he was, Rabin was assassinated in 1995. I started the first ever feminist campaign in Israel in 1997. And, and if you look back, I think none of the chauvinist Things and manners and patterns that were that existed in Israel, especially of course by generals. I don't know of any of them that was attributed to Itzhak Rabin.
0: I think you are right, and uh, I want to go back. We just mentioned the Arab society, and if we are talking now about politics, Netanyahu is trying to form a government coalition that would achieve majority approval through the uh, uh, abstention of the Islamic party in the Knesset vote. Although his reasons are totally cynical, as uh, we both know, do you agree that this is a historic move and that Netanyahu should be praised for making an Arab party a legitimate part of the political game, something no one else has done before?
2: No, because this is exactly what Itzhak Rabin did. And he was assassinated for it. This is exactly, and this is the, if you will, this is the tragedy that Netanyahu delegitimized, Netanyahu uh, delegitimized Rabin and the left by saying, he said, it's I mean, think about it, this is Itchak Rabin, the chief of staff of the huge victory of 67, a, a defense minister twice, a prime minister, uh, really, a hero in Israel, and there comes this guy who, who just a just a person, just this person Netanyahu, out of nowhere, for that matter, and saying Rabin is not legit because he's relying on Arab votes and he does not have what was coined then as a Jewish majority, and now Netanyahu is trying to do the same. So no, it's not what is historic is that Netanyahu has succeeded overwhelmingly and tragically in in delegitimizing Rabin and the Arabs and the Left and Labor and democracy and any everything and anything that uh, that that interrupted him in being in power, keeping uh, power, etc. And now he's trying to do the same, and everyone's saying, wow, what a historic move, even though it is cynical. So no, it is only historic in the sense that hopefully it will be the thing that will bring Netanyahu down.
0: I understand what you just said. I'm the, the, the last optimistic Israeli that right now, what we see from Netanyahu is Rabin's victory. But let's, let's go yes. on. You agree with me, yes. I, 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 I think. Yes. No, completely. Okay. So what would uh, uh, be your ideal government, realistically speaking, right now when uh, Netanyahu is still, uh, I think, 23 days to form a coalition? And if he fails, it will be Yair Lapid's turn or Naftali Bennett's turn. What government do you see on the other side, on your side?
2: Well, there is no ideal government right now. My ideal government is one that is composed by, that is formed by labor as a ruling party with uh, partners who are interested in a Jewish home, um, or else, or actually I should say a home for the Jewish people with equality for all. Um, given the circumstances, I want a government without Netanyahu and a government that has as many more components of um, people and parties who believe in equality and in democracy for the, the place for the Jewish people in Israel. How exactly does it look? I think it's premature to tell. I mean, right now we see Bennett that everybody was counting on. I mean, some people were counting on him to form the non-Netanyahu government. We see him you know, negotiating. I wouldn't, I, I don't even say flirting because he's negotiating with Netanyahu very seriously on giving him another uh, another government. And also um, as historic as this uh, attempt at Netanyahu is, I mean, historic that is in, in, a, in quotation, yes? Not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Netanyahu is making to, uh, be supported by by Ram, the Arab, um, the Arab religious list. Uh, Netanyahu uh, Bennett is reluctant to do that, and uh, and Saar also doesn't want to do that. So, unfortunately, we are still. It's not like we've we are beyond the delegitimization of the Arab citizens and the Arab parties as legit partners. We are still struggling with it. So I think, yes, a government that has as many more components who believe in democracy um, is what I would like to see.
0: Yes, but see. this is a, a utopian uh, approach. I think that you know that the most uh, lo- legitimate or logical solution on the uh, reform or the change or the anti Netanyahu side is a government uh, that will uh, actually share power between Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett. And Bennett will be the first prime minister for two years, and then Lapid. And it will bring us to a, to an unbelievable picture that you, as a, the, the leader of the Labour Central Left Party, and even Meretz, that it, 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 it is actually a left party, will sit under Naftali Bennett, a religious a right-wing extremist.
2: Well, yeah.
0: no one special. You're saying.
2: No, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it is. Yes, it's very sad that this is right now, and you know, an option. But, but we, and also, I still, you know, I'm, It's far from certain that this script can become a reality. We're still far from it. Uh, And yes, this is exactly, this takes us back to the beginning of our conversation. This is exactly why I am so determined in rebuilding labor as a ruling party that you will have a a genuine, authentic, serious political body that can form a non-right wing government in Israel. This is something that we do not have at the moment. Uh, And speaking of reforms, since you mentioned this word, you know that on on labor's list right now, number four, a member of Knesset for the first time ever, there is a Reform rabbi, Gilad Kariv. And it's unbelievable that it took so many years for the reform and conservative communities in Israel and everywhere to have a representative in the Israeli parliament. So, this is one of the most I have to things. tell
0: you that uh, we, we surely know because Rabbi Kariv was a guest here in, in on Israel podcast three weeks ago. And if if, if you meant, and he's, he's really an, a very impressive Israeli and rabbi and w- whatever. And if you mentioned his name, we heard on the day that uh, the Knesset and New Knesset, Knesset uh, was sworn in. A, a, a ultra orthodox uh, Knesset member, uh, I, I guess it was Israel Eichler, talking about uh, Rabbi Kariv, who is a reform rabbi, almost in anti Semitic manners, and he will not say hello to him, and he's worse than a Christian. And uh, I, I really cannot uh, reply the the, 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 the the words he used. And how do you see it? this hatred within among rabbis.
2: I make it a point not to make other people's uh, problems my own. So I am nodding to a member of Knesset Eichler, you know, how Eichler is uh, conceived and is being considered, you know, how serious his sayings are uh, regarded. Uh, he will get used to it.
0: Okay, we, I hope we're waiting a long time that they will get used to it. There are many Jews in the world that are not uh, all Orthodox. So, uh, by the way, uh, most of the Jews in, in the world, especially in the United States, are conservative or reform. And uh, this is a, the reality. They, they don't accept. But I want to ask you. Uh, course, but,
2: we have, but the reality we have to change is not uh, Eichler's opinion. What we need to change is the law in Israel because the, the irony and the tragedy is that the only country in the world that does not recognize all Jews equally is the, the state of the Jewish people. It's just, you know, it's crazy to think about it. And what needs to be changed is like we saw the ruling of the Supreme Court that came after 15 years of the government and the Knesset's refusal to get the very, very simple. And, and so, clear decision of recognizing um, reform and conservative conversions in Israel for people who are uh, eligible by the law of return. So what we need to do is change the law, not wait for or anyone or any orthodox or anyone else to change their minds.
0: Okay, I want to ask another political question. Just uh, said, actually, you hinted that if you have to pick or choose an option uh, between the fifth election in a row or sitting uh, under Naftali Bennett for two years. And then Yair Lapid, you'll you'll, uh, pick the second because fifth election is a lot worse. And I wanted to ask you that Israeli politics has essentially come down to one issue, yes to Netanyahu or no to Netanyahu. Do you think this is the end of the era of uh, ideologies uh, of left against right, historic Mapai versus Herut? We are beyond all this.
2: Not at all. Um, First, and you know, you said before that, you you said something which made me, of course, it's important for me to emphasize. When you ask people in Israel about uh, the issues, regardless of their political representation, then it's very, very clear that the majority of Israelis support the center and left positions on everything, be it freedom of religion, pluralism, equality for women, for the gay community, even for Arabs as citizens, and certainly on on every economical, social, economical issues, they are very much towards a welfare state that Really takes care of its citizens. And even, even, even a tiny, tiny majority still supports the two state solution, as much as, of course, a majority does not believe it is achievable, which is a rational thought after so many years of not even having tried it. Um, the problem is that Netanyahu has uh, succeeded in tagging everything that has to do with these things as left i mean the the number one thing i hear from people when i you know just am out uh, meeting people is i agree with you on everything but i'm not a leftist i am not left because it became a curse nothing short of a curse and nobody wants to be uh, tagged a traitor and a crazy person and someone who's self-hating or whatever so and often Netanyahu has made it all about him it's all about him. It's He's the only one who does things. He's the only one who can. He's the only one. And then again, he's also the only one um, who's being attacked and the only one who people are trying to overturn and etc. So yes, it's about him. And that is why it is so, so, so important to replace Netanyahu. The politics after Netanyahu will start going back to being about people, both the citizens, but also people in politics will be people, not a someone who's, who thinks and regards himself as close to God.
0: And maybe ideologies Netanyahu, as well. Not only people. will go back to Netanyahu, ideology.
2: You know, he, Netanyahu's been in power for 12 years in a row now. Think about how much power he concentrates in his hands and how much he has already... Um, adapted the the system to him it's it gives him obviously i mean it really goes without saying it gives him an overwhelming advantage over anyone and anything it really there is a a, a, a very urgent necessity to replace him as prime minister
0: i know that you sit. the uh... Knesset member, Merav Mikhaeli, uh, in uh, most of the very uh, secret uh, political security committees in the Knesset, I wanted to ask you one question about a security issue that is uh, in the headlines in the last couple of years. Uh, all the leaks and the publications around the world about is allegedly, uh, alleged uh, Israeli attacks on uh, Iranian uh, vessels, the last one was on Iranian ship that they use it, uh, that is working for the uh, Republican uh, Guards in, uh, in in Iran. And do, what do you think about this? The publication of of all of this, uh, talking about it, uh, alerting the Americans or not, aler- alerting the Americans, and all is happening uh, during the renewal of the negotiation in Vienna between the United States and Iran. And finally, when we we all suspect that Netanyahu needs some excuse or, 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 or maybe an escalation in order to convince his partners to form a coalition like he did with the coronavirus with Benny Gantz in the previous leg. So what is what is your opinion on, on, on this issue?
2: First of all, I think the leak is very severe and it should be investigated. Um, it, it's very clear that something so sensitive—I I cannot even believe that it—it it, it came to the point where it was leaked. It really should be investigated and and make sure that it does not happen again. Um, other than that, listen, uh, Netanyahu's policies regarding Iran in general are consistent with his policies on anything on everything else and that is that he is campaigning he does not run the state of israel he does not act according to israel's interest he uh, acts generally speaking about in every issue according to his own personal interest and i know from my democrats uh, friends that they too are that since since that there is really zero trust in in netanyahu in the states in, in the new administration, and of course to Israel, they are very much committed to Israel and to its security, but they have zero trust in Netanyahu. So when he speaks, they have no idea whether he really represents the interests of Israel or his own personal interests. And we are in a position where his policies regarding Iran that are um, that are made especially of a lot of noise, but at the end of the day, in, when you check the results, ir- Iran is closer to a nuclear bomb than it has been ever before. And certainly during his 12 years as prime minister. So when you check that, when you see that he has jeopardized the Israeli interest in its relationship with the US which is one of the major strategic assets that Israel has. And when you see his moves in other frontiers that are supposed to be um, allegedly keeping our security, but in fact, really putting Israel in a strategic hazard. It's very clear that Netanyahu poses a threat, not only for Israel from within, but also outside.
0: And he actually can escalate the the secret war between Israel and Iran uh, because of his political reasons.
2: Yes, well, you know, I would like to think that he would not jeopardize Israel um, intentionally. But what is clear is that his own interests, um, I would even say maybe hide the, the dangers that he's leading Israel to.
0: Okay, finally... You've been a leader of women's struggle for uh, equality for years. You're the only woman leading a Knesset party right now. W- women's uh, representation in the Knesset is stagnant. And Israeli de- demographics are making the country more religious and conservative. And I wanted to ask you, are you worried uh, about this situation? What do you think about the feminism in Israel in general?
2: Um. To American ears, I think it's important to emphasize that uh, the feminist struggle and sort of the next level of feminism in Israel started 20 years after it did, or even 30, I would say, after it did in the States. We did not go through the 60s and the 70s revolution, feminist revolution that took place in, in America because we were busy fighting other wars. And when I started and I had the privilege of really starting the first ever public Um, Feminist campaign, it was in the 90s when, in retrospect, I understand that it was the, the first decade ever in which Israel did not go through a major war. And so this probably was part of what made it possible. And we had, I think, a decade and a half until the 2000s, or maybe even two decades of huge, huge advancement in everything that had to do with women's rights and equality and, of course the public understanding of that. And then there's a backlash. There will always be a backlash. It's never linear. I mean, I wish it were, but it never is. The pendulum always goes back and forth. And right now we're certainly in the midst of a very, very strong backlash, which also by the way is is evident in the representation in the Knesset because the representation was already uh, bigger. We had up to, I think it was 36 or 35, 35 members, women members out of of 120, and now we only have 30. So we are down. And as you mentioned, there are other uh, religious and not only religious issues against women. We saw during um, the pandemic crisis that women were hurt dramatically and the wage gap in Israel is very big. So it's just, I'm, I'm certainly, I'm not, I'm not worried, I'm I'm angry, I'm upset and I'm committed to continuing uh, this fight. It's It's not like it, I, I was never under the impression that it's over. Uh, equality is still far away from us. That by the way is also true for America and Europe and anywhere else in the world. Even though in other places we are seeing an amazing uh, thriving of women's um of women's leadership, something that it is giving me a lot of hope. And I look up to these amazing women with their amazing achievements and to the peoples who have elected them or and are electing them. Um, and and I know that we have our work cut out for us, but we are on it. We are completely on it.
0: I almost said when you said it, it ain't over, that it it, it is over only, uh, when the fat lady sings, but then I remember that we were talking about feminism and you, you're going to kill me, so I didn't it's say many, it.
2: <laughs> not one fat lady. Many fat ladies <laughs> yes. sing. And in Israel, women's singing is an issue, so it's it's a double yeah. meaning kind of you
0: know wishing it's a triple meaning Miravica it was fascinating i uh, wish you a lot of luck and success in uh, your the, the brand new uh, labor chairwoman and thank you for joining us here in uh, on israel in al monitor thank you Shalom. mirav the pleasure is mine thank you for having
2: Thanks. me bye
0: bye bye bye
1: I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of the award-winning media news site, El Monitor, where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line, every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something, and you will never be bored, because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti.
0: Thank you for uh, staying with us. This uh, interesting conversation with the uh, Labour Chairperson Rav Mikhaeli contained uh, a few, uh, I think, major headlines. First of all, she is uh, worried about the state of women's rights in Israel as a leading feminist. The number of uh, Knesset uh, women members in Israel is in stagnation, uh, 30. Uh, after the last Knesset contained uh, 36 women, now only 30, she will sit, she will not be very happy with it, but she will sit in a government led by Naftali Bennett. Uh, in this uh, rotation, famous rotation government, Bennett is uh, negotiating with Yair Lapid if uh, Pr- Prime Minister Netanyahu will uh, fail forming a government in the next 23 days. But then, finally, uh, we arrived to talk about uh, a, a very intriguing uh, a news item that was published uh, last week uh, in, uh, during the weekend in Haaretz, uh, that reported that uh, a senior Israeli official, a security senior Israeli official, leaked the the alleged uh, bombing of uh, of uh, an Iranian uh, vessel in the Red Sea by Israel to the New York Times or to the Americans before it happened. It was a mistake because the, this uh, alleged uh, Israeli action, Israel never took responsibility for this. It took place 24 hours later than than planned because of uh, a few reasons. But uh, the leak is uh, driving uh, all the, the, the Israeli uh, establishment here in, uh, 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 into a chaos. And uh, Avi Mikhaili said that if there was a leak, it is very severe and it should be investigated. And she said she cannot believe that such a thing can be leaked by an Israeli and uh, such delicate and sensitive information and it has to be investigated and then we, we arrived to the question about Netanyahu, is it possible that he's escalating the, the secret war between Israel and Iran and uh, maybe even surfacing it uh, above the water uh, because of his political reasons, he want, he wants a sense of uh, emergency to help him form the, the, this impossible coalition, exactly like it did with the COVID-19 crisis uh, the, the previous time. And she said a few very interesting things. She said Netanyahu's policy uh, regarding Iran uh, in general is consistent uh, to his policy in all other issues. He is campaigning. He does not uh, running the state of Israel. He is not acting according to Israel's uh, national uh, security or national interest. But uh, his actions are tailored to his political and personal interest only. Uh, she said that she knows from her the American Democrat friends that they too have zero trust in Netanyahu in the United States, and uh, although they are fully committed to Israel and its security, and when uh, when he, they listen to him uh, speaking. They have no idea about the prime minister, that uh, whether he represents Israel or his uh, own interests uh, uh, while he speaks. She said Iran, after all the Netanyahu uh, lectures and speeches and noise, is a lot closer to a nuclear bomb now than it has been uh, ever before, after 12 consecutive Netanyahu years in, in power. And she said, and this is, I think, the, the major headline, that uh, he, re- he jeopardize, jeopardizes Israel's interests in... Uh, and, uh, and the example she gave is what he did to the relationship with the United States, and uh, whatever he is do- doing in other frontiers is the same, putting Israel in strategic hazard. And it is clear, said Merav Mikhaeli that Netanyahu poses a threat to Israel, not only from within, but also from the outside. Uh, she added that she she cannot believe that he will uh, jeopardize Israel uh, intentionally, but the results are uh, are not so good. Hope you hope you found uh, this conversation interesting, and I hope to be here next Monday in uh, on Israel and all am bank speed. Take care. Bye bye.